Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Pixar's Turning Red. Growing up is a beast. You never know on my mind, oh my, oh my. I'm never not by your side, your side, your side. Hey there, my name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-free review for Pixar's Turning Red, which hits Disney Plus on March 11th. Big thanks to Disney Plus Canada for getting us this movie in advance to review. Now please join me in welcoming my two ferocious co-hosts to the podcast. They're both from Toronto. They both enjoy a good Timbit every now and then, and they're huge fans of of boy bands from the 90s. They're Justin and Kevin. How are you doing tonight, gentlemen? Doing, doing well. well. I got to ask, what what are your favorite uh, boy bands that you, you fangirled over when you were younger? Backstreet Boys all day, Backstreet Boys for life. That's what it it's is, not yeah. not even close. Yeah, yeah Backstreet, Boys, Backstreet Boys was definitely uh, the one that uh, boys aspired to be. Um, sync <laughs> was, uh, they had some good hits, but you know. They yeah, had some tunes, but no, it was it was all about Backstreet Boys, and and One Direction did a good job in the the, the mid, twenty tens there to sort of fill a, a needed void there. Uh, haven't gotten into the K-pop stuff too much, um, but I I know uh, what's the group called? Um, BTS. Yeah, yeah, they've got they've got some bangers too. Totally bangers. Um, bangers. Um, yeah, I'm I I never I gotta be honest, I never really did get into. The Backstreet Boys, like I probably heard a lot of their stuff on the radio and what have you, but for me, after seeing this movie, I think I'm I'm a four towny ride or die. So you can't <laughs> tell me otherwise. Uh, but before we before we unleash the beast, uh, let me get into the description for this movie. Directed by Domi Shi and produced by Lindsay Collins, Disney and Pixar's Turning Red introduces Mei Lee, a confident, dorky 13-year-old torn between staying her mother's dutiful daughter uh, and the chaos of adolescence. Her protective, if not slightly overbearing mother, Ming, is never far from her daughter, uh, an unfortunate reality for a teenager. And as if changes to her interests, relationships, and body weren't enough, whenever she gets too excited... She poofs into a giant red panda. The movie stars Rosalie Chang, Sandra Oh, Orion Lee, Wai Ching Ho, Ava Morse, Maitreyi Ramakrishnan, Hyan Park, Tristan Alaric Chen, Tyler, Addie Chandler, Jordan Fisher, Grayson Villanueva, Josh Levi, Topher Ngo, Phineas O'Connell, James Hong, Lori Tan Chin, Lillian Lim, Mia Tagano, Sherry Cola, Sasha Roiz, and Lily San Filippo. Did you really just so, read the entire cast list? I just read the entire <laughs> the entire cast. I think uh, I think they all did an excellent job. So I thought we should give them credit. Uh, but guys, let's let's kind of um, you know I think I think we should maybe kick things off in a very similar way to how I could imagine May and her friends discussing the the heavenly scent of Aaron T's luscious locks. Uh, and that is to say, let's start with what we enjoyed or even loved from the movie. Kevin, why don't you kick us off? Uh, yeah, I think my my dislikes list will, will far outweigh my likes list. Uh, so this should be pretty short and sweet and to the point here. Um, as you mentioned off the top there, uh, I, I loved me some boy bands growing up, a big uh, Backstreet Boys fan, and this really does seem to be almost a love letter to that foregone era of boy bands when they dominated the charts and everything like that. And so I did appreciate that. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I'm shocked to say it, but Billie Eilish came up with some pretty catchy tunes in this oh, movie. Yeah. I, I did find myself singing, singing some of the songs after the movie completed, so that's always a good sign. And considering I am anything but a Billie Eilish fan, uh, I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, and then obviously I think the big thing that I really enjoyed was getting to see Toronto you know, in such a, a fun, new, and, and unique way. Uh, even just little details like the TTC streetcars and going, seeing a Daisy Mart as the convenience store. Uh, and then the crown jewel, it's being called the Sky Dome. Oh, yes. yes. Like all day, every day to see Sky Dome on the side of the building. That was a, that was a great feel-good moment. Yeah, I love seeing, uh, you know, at one point we see a Blue Jay flying around and um, yeah, the CN Tower being there. Like it was just, I think it just adds such a great level of connection for anyone who's ever lived in Toronto or, or you know, visited Toronto and, and stayed there for a while. And it, I also think the movie does a great job at showing the diversity of the city of Toronto. Um, and it was cool to recognize a lot of those streets as well. Yeah, the, 100%. The, I loved how the Daisy Mart almost looked like, uh, Kev, where you used to live downtown. On Queen Street, uh, the, where the Seven Eleven used to be, just that sort of area of uh, Lower Queen West, uh, it, it it felt very familiar. So, like they they definitely did their research and kind of building out Toronto to look like Toronto. But you know, Nate, you're absolutely right. Like the the diversity in the characters that were just in the background, uh, along with with just the environment, it just it helps ground this very culturally relevant story in a city that is multicultural beacon it just it felt very integral and meaningful to the to the overall narrative other than obviously uh domishi being from toronto and this kind of being a bit of a an autobiography story from her and i love how the movie like right off the bat like right away it's dripping with style and i think it's cool that we yes we get to see the city of toronto but more specifically we're seeing it through the eyes of a 13 year old may so everything's just a little bit more colorful it's a little bit more big poppy. um and yeah it's poppy and we had a chance to attend the uh the press conference for for this movie and during it domi she mentioned the phrase uh chunky cute was passed around uh in production quite a bit so this very much looks and feels uh, chunky cute <laughs> yeah and that that chunky cute style feels very s familiar to like the, the the anime chibi the very cutesy round that chunky style but it, it also felt very similar or or just really adopting some of the the great existing pixar art like there were some characters heads and shapes that sort of looked very reminiscent of something like we saw in luca um and i, mm -hmm. I feel like there was such a balance between east meets west which is also something they talked about at that press conference using the anime aesthetics it again added that another layer of cultural diversity being showcased in this movie and i love it because it's it's something that I mean again, and and we'll we'll reference this this conference. But um, Domi, she mentioned she's a huge fan of anime, and I think so much of her is is imbued in this movie. Um, and there's a sequence where, and obviously this is still spoiler free, but there's a sequence where May shows her friends the magazine of Four Town, and you get this sort of epic anime visual of May on top of a mountain holding up a magazine like it's a sword and it's just to me like those are the moments where they do go really extra and really sort of um, they ham up some of the visual sort of facial uh, things that they do with their faces and it's it's such a wonderful representation of of how silly you can be with your friends you know what I mean and I think that's mm. a huge aspect to this movie is is the aspect of just being your authentic self. Um, right. And I love how it was emphasized by the style in this too. It was so cool. 
Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I I think that they 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 found a way to respect what the Pixar aesthetic is while also mm-hmm. finding new ways to interject new stylistic elements into that. And I think it it, it hit really well. I, I actually like it was refreshing. At times it didn't look like a Pixar movie, but it always came back to that that aesthetic of of Pixar. And I'm okay, honestly, like we've talked about uh Mitchell's versus the machines on this podcast before and mm-hmm. how incredible the style is obviously into the spider-verse and mm-hmm. i'm totally down to have let's mix it up a little bit pixar like let's get different with it uh, i'd honestly be even fine if we had a whole movie that was completely animated different and we get a little we get little hints of it here and i think that's part of bringing in some of these other voices some of these other creators um kevin you mentioned the music uh earlier i gotta talk about this music obviously our, our 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 man Ludwig Göransson, uh, who seems to be hitting all the big projects these days that we're love that we're in love with. Um, I thought that he did an awesome job composing a like a mixture of. It's kind of got like this like new Jack swing flute music. Because um, she plays the flute, is, it's so good, right? Because she plays the flute, and <laughs> yeah. and it represents it represents May, and it represents her friends, yeah. and then you've got the sort of the Chinese traditional flute, which is May's family and her heritage, mm-hmm. and it's just cool how even in the composition, you're hearing that sort of the, 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 the music sort of rub yeah. up against each other, and yeah. the duality yeah. of it, it's it's yeah. awesome. And Billie Eilish and Phineas, Four Town. I mean, I can't stop singing "Nobody Like You." Yeah, um, it's just like you said, Kevin. It's it's two thousand eras or nineties nineties era boy band that's just like so good. And I think the fact that both of you mentioned um, Backstreet Boys really kind of speaks to the fact that, like in this movie, having having the movie center around just wanting to go to this concert. I feel like growing up for a lot of people, when they're that age, they're finding their own identities through music. And this highlights that bond between these characters, which is made through the music and their entrance into womanhood like so well. And it just, it, it's, by the end of it, you're, you're bopping along to this, these tunes and, and really getting into it. And then you've got something you can share with your friends, right? So. You're never not on my mind. Right? Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Like, let's get it. Let's go. <laughs> but I, I think I think what you're pointing out too is the sort of the the duality, right? Because as you pointed out, like her culture with her mother is very much yeah. what grounds her in her relationship with her, her Chinese heritage. And with her friends, the music is that cultural element that has bonded them together yeah. and has made them as tight as family. So I think that Again, you're seeing this sort of duality of moving forward while honoring your past, right? Yeah, and and you see May struggle with that, but I think I think you mentioned it. Um, the other biggest win for me was the supporting cast was her friends. Um, yeah. they were so excellent in this movie. I love so how good. they've got their they've just got her back so much, and you know how much May relies on them through throughout this point in her life. Miriam is like her closest friend, mm. right? You've got uh, Priya, who's like the quiet, smooth one, and then Justin. Let's come on, Abby. Like Abby, <laughs> like, I love Abby. Abby was Abby, Abby was great. Yeah, she was. She was probably. She had so much energy, and I loved learning that High in Park. She's actually a storyboard artist for Pixar, so. Yeah. I just love that, you know, she was able to come in and and just give such an energy to this character that you would commonly think would be done by a traditional voice actor. But no, it was done by a passionate storyboard artist. I loved it. Her character was probably one of my my favorites. But I just loved the 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 representation 
of the group like obviously again the the cultural diversity but also the non-stereotypical approach to this group of girls being friends they're they're not like catty sort of you know oh my god right like they they, like drama yeah they they're yeah they're very much uh they own their dorkiness their uniqueness their their sort of geeky geekiness they love each other for it they accept each other for it and i think that that's like for kids and and for for girls and for all people just to understand that that's the kind of people that you want on your side right like these people that you can be yourself with and i think that that's so like so well represented in the in the group of friends and it's it's positive it's a positive friendship but it's specifically a positive female friendship that they're really trying to highlight here because i think there's a lot of media and a lot of you know as you said it's a, a very big sort of uh false truth or, or, or stereotype out there um, that this isn't how girls can act. And this is kind of showing, you know, there really is friend groups like this. This is a real thing. Um, and uh, and I also just love how much it emphasizes the fear of sort of losing your connection to your parents. Um, I think the overall story is just it's such a lovely coming of age movie. Of course, right. Yeah. And I think I mean, that's and so that's that's like a lot of positive stuff obviously um you know i think justin and i have kind of just taken over the podcast here because we're 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 pretty high on it but um you know i find at times when we go into these reviews for myself personally if i ever have to really stretch to find something i didn't like it means that there wasn't something in there that bothered me enough to bring it up so mm-hmm. i i personally don't have anything I didn't really like about the movie, but I am interested to hear Kevin. Um, we were talking off air and obviously at the top of this podcast, you mentioned it didn't really hit for you. So I want to know what didn't work for you in this movie. Uh, I think first and foremost, I mean, what is the idea behind her turning into this panda? Is that supposed to be a metaphor for, you know, developing your womanhood for, for starting to have your menstrual cycle and everything like that? And I believe it, it is. is yeah. And yeah. if that is the point, then what is the message this movie is showing us? That women become big, loud, stinky, angry, irrational beings when they're on their period? That's such a terrible message to send young girls and boys who are either about to experience these things for their first time or will have sisters or classmates going through this. It just, it just felt like such a wrong way to depict this part of her life and her changing body. I completely hear you. And at first, I was a little bit worried that that was the case, Kevin, because I think even early, early on when we first, even when like I think the poster for Turning Red was brought up, I was like, is this about like her going through like her period, her first period? And you see in the movie, there, there's definitely, um, you know, her mom very much is a little bit worried about the, the entire situation. Um, but she's she's more worried, like May is more worried that she's turning into a big red panda. Um, I think ultimately, without spoiling anything, because again, we do want to keep it spoiler free, I do think the movie does address that in a way that still points to it as a positive change. Um, and I, I think it's it's something that we see may go through. And I don't think by the end of the movie that people are necessarily... I personally wasn't left with this concept of that it was a bad thing. I was left with the fact that it's the change is, is good uh, and, that, and that even though... It's difficult. You've got your friends and your your family, be, you know, by you your side. You have a support system. You have a support right. system there to help you through that change and transitioning into adulthood. But I think it also tries to make light of that in in a way that I think that allegory is is used to kind of 
showcase sort of the the emotional change, the the range of emotions that you go through, and how you navigate that, and how you feel so many different things from love to hate to anger. Like I think that that is kind of imbued in in this mysticism and in the story. Yeah, no, I can I can see where you're coming from, but I didn't get that necessarily from the movie. Okay. Um, and I mean, in addition, the mother is the meanest person on the whole planet for the things that she does to her daughter in this movie. I hated that woman for the things she did to her daughter. She was so awful. Awful. I would never want to be close to or have a positive relationship with my mother if she was embarrassing me in front of my classmates. I would just like forever, ever, ever hate my mother for doing those things to me. And so it just, that character alone drove me absolutely crazy. Um, you know, I, there's a difference between being a helicopter parent and being a smother mother. And like, she was, she was just so over the top that I couldn't relate to that very much myself. Mm. I, I think I could relate to that. And I think, you know, I could relate to that because I had a very much a, <laughs> you got a, a bit smothering of a mother. Yeah. You, you yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember all the times when we used to hang out, I'd have to lie about where we were if we went to another person's house or if we did this or if I was out late. It, it becomes to the point you're trying to hide yourself from your family, which then you become more distant from them. You, you, you're sort of pushing yourself away uh, so that you can be someone else. And I think I, I had a bit of that when I grew up. It wasn't until inevitably my parents just said, OK, you are who you are, that I was able to do that. But throughout high school, it was it was very hard to navigate that. And I had my parents also be super overbearingly embarrassing at times, too. So I, I, I think it could really speak to more of a cultural thing. Uh, you know, again, I'm not Chinese, but I am of a mixed background, if you will. Uh, so there was religious cultural elements in my house that I felt like put me in a box or my mom tried to put me in that box and I just never wanted to be in that box. And that, you know, created a bit of a distance in, in my relationship with my own mother. So, you know, I think to to see those hardships and, and to see how you can come out on the other side, I think that's that's interesting. Right. Like there's there's story in that. And I think it's important that, you know, we get we get a mother who I think, to your point, Kevin, can come across to a, a lot of different people as maybe the villain of the story. Uh, but she's not. She's not a mother Gothel. You know what I mean? And I think mm. seeing this portrayal of a mom is going to be very different for people, for sure. Um, but there's a ton of people out there that, like Justin, will absolutely connect with it. Um, so I completely understood why they, they went that route. And I also, I really love her relationship with her mother in this movie as well, because I just love how that, that, <laughs> that works so well. Certainly, there, there's certain elements there that I can totally see different people relating to differently. Uh, I think my biggest issue with the movie is that it's just not very funny. Mm. It's, it, I didn't find it funny at all. Pixar and Disney, it, 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 um, you know, as well, like these movies that we grew up with in the 90s and early 2000s, had a message, they were heartfelt, but they were also laugh-out-loud funny. And outside of the Abby character being a bit goofy and zany, I really didn't find myself finding much humor in this movie. And, and, and that is such an important element that Disney and Pixar have always done so well. And so the fact that I watched two movies in, in the course of a weekend between Turning Red and Encanto and was just so much more drawn into Encanto and that kind of storytelling and that kind of movie versus this Pixar. This is this is bottom of the, the barrel Pixar for me 
in mm. terms of how I enjoyed watching it both times. It's interesting the direction Pixar is going with their movies. Justin, you and I were talking about like, we kind of felt like Onward Onward <laughs> is kind of the new age of Pixar. Right, right? And so make like, is that the direction you think they're... Maybe they're going. They, they are steering away from the comedy. I think what they're doing is they're not doing in-your-face comedy. They're doing subtle comedy. And I think that mm. does hit differently from audience to audience, right? I found myself chuckling at things that my wife Angie was not chuckling at, right? And she enjoyed the movie to a certain degree. I, I feel like when we did laugh at, at moments, they were very in-your-face funny. But I chuckled at things that she didn't necessarily chuckle at. And she chuckled at things that I didn't necessarily chuckle at. So I, I feel like they're kind of downplaying the humor, uh, which kind of feels a little bit more honest and going for more honest storytelling, like something that that can be really relatable to all all audiences. I, I think that if you were to look at the movies from onward to now, the stories that they're telling inside, the messaging inside does really feel honest and relatable to to today's audience if that makes sense mm. yeah I, I, su I, mean, I suppose that's a possibility yeah. i just yeah i just i'm not sure what they're trying to tell kids these days their <laughs> soul was weird and mixed up in terms of what it was trying to like i i love that they're trying to tackle a bit more difficult subject matter in death and soul you've got you know puberty essentially here in this movie and those are those can be very difficult for movies aimed at young children to sort of try and talk about i'm just not sure that the messages they're That's trying to send out mm -hmm. are ones that I would want to to be learned from the movies. Yeah, because to that point too, it's like adults like us are are reading these things on a different level than you know uh, a six year old, a seven year old, a ten year old. You know, it'll be interesting to see how how kids connect with it when this movie does hit Disney Plus. I'm excited to see how audiences are going to take it. Yeah, I've got some I've got some younger cousins. Uh, shout out to to Emma and Abby actually uh, is one of them and I've just recently visiting them around the holidays I'm like I'm watching this movie and I'm like I've literally seen them do these things like I've literally seen them fangirl out over over different anime boys and stuff like that and it's really weird to see as as you know as, as their cousin but at the same time um, I you know I'm I'm really I got a sense of it from this movie and I think I think maybe that is kind of the audience that will connect most with this movie uh, along with maybe parents as well. I just hope you didn't demonize them for daring to have feelings towards a boy. Oh, possibly <laughs> the worst thing that somebody could do is to have feelings for somebody else. I mean, <laughs> and, 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 and again, what is the message here? I mean, there's a, there's a pivotal moment in the movie and it comes down to the father being calm and cool and rational and talking things out with his daughter versus the psycho mom the woman who just can't control her emotions. I mean, I, the messaging here, just as if a, as, as a woman, I would be offended, I think, by what they were trying to, how they portrayed the female, uh, you know, female characters in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, again, we can't get into full details, but I, I, I do think that that is a conversation to be had about, about messaging. And, you know, I think there is a duality in, in the idea of, of being yourself uh, and, and, honoring where you come from and understanding that but not letting it consume you like right off the bat we get that sort of sentiment so and i i feel i feel kind of like you know in reference to my my cousin's fangirling out over uh anime boys i very much was put off by it initially and i was very much like no don't do that stay young little kids forever don't do that and obviously 
watching this movie kind of helped me to sort of get over that and be like, frick, they're, they're, they're growing they're young, up. They're growing up. They're young women. And that's totally OK. And I think I got that from this movie. I got that from from the relationship between um, Ming and, and May um, near the end. Again, obviously, we want to try and stay as spoiler free as we possibly can. But I think you can kind of understand in a in a Pixar movie that things do kind of come around full circle. So it's OK. Uh, but guys, let's get to our our final thoughts and score, which uh, for this one, you best believe we're going to be giving it a score uh, out of five members of four town. Uh, I love I love that the mom's like, why are there? But there's only four of them. Why are they called? Or five She's of them. asking there's, questions we all right. have. Thank you. She's like, there's, there's five of them. Why are they called four town? Um, so, uh, Kevin, why don't you kick us off with your final thoughts and score? Yeah, this just, I, I thought maybe it was a first time viewing and it just didn't register right. So I definitely gave it a second watch and and I came away feeling exactly the same way both times. Uh, I'm not sure I appreciate a lot of the messaging, especially t- uh, towards young ladies and, and, and mothers and, and just a portrayal of women in general. Um, so that really bothered me and, and it didn't sit well. And I think the fact that the movie just lacked any decent writing when it came to, to comedy was was such a bummer. It's it's just one of those things that I've come to expect from Disney and from Pixar and didn't really see it here. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, I loved seeing Toronto in a new light. Um, and, and as a boy band uh, bro for life, uh, that was a fun aspect that I was like, oh, I do resonate with, with those ideas. Let's go. Uh, you know, maybe I'll pop on some Backstreet Boys after we finish recording here just That's because. Tough. I uh, want to see you doing the dance, I'll listen Kevin. to some more Four Town, you know, because <laughs> yes. those were great tunes. So, yeah. But, but I mean, aside from some great city imagery and a couple catchy tunes, this did a whole lot of nothing for me. I would put this right down at the bottom of my rankings for Pixar movies. Um, and with that said, I'll give this, honestly, this is going to sound really, really low. This is a 2.7 out of five members of Four Town. All right. You split the band up, Kevin. How dare you? (laughs) How dare you? Like One Direction, they've gone the wrong way now. Robert's on his solo career now because of you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Justin, how about yourself? Um, Well, yeah, I I didn't have any negatives uh, because I thought this movie was was fantastic. Uh, I loved everything about it from... The Pixar meets anime aesthetic to the way Toronto is captured through the lens of of the chunky, cute aesthetic. Uh, the heartfelt coming of age story about growing up and being yourself. It all felt very relevant. Uh, the unity of friendship juxtaposed with the unity of family was just so spot on. You know, like while Mei Mei and her family have their culture as a connection, we see Mei Mei have a strong connection with her friends rooted in music as we as we discussed. And this, this allows them to become family. And I think it does highlight this idea that f- friends are as much family as, you know, those that are from your own blood. The cultural qualities of the movie are outstanding. Focusing on a Chinese-born Canadian growing up in, in a city that is literally the beacon of multiculturalism helps ground the themes of the story and just shows a, a huge appreciation for diversity and, and it highlights what it means to, to sort of to have a balance in your own life, uh, to understand like where you've come from and where you're going. I feel like I, I understand Domi Shi now. I feel like I understand a little bit more about her background and what she, totally. what she, she went through, right? Um, yeah. Like I said, this movie speaks to everyone. Uh, it, 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 it speaks to all ages, all backgrounds. Uh, the message, it'll be different from person to person, but really create a message that I think anyone can, can connect to. Um, and I've said it, that I, you know, 
we've had a lot of movies over the last two years from Pixar onward, uh, Soul, Luca, and I got to say, this is my favorite of those, uh, which is why I'm giving this a five out of five members of Four Town. There we go. That's well said. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I I definitely align with with a lot of those uh, sentiments. Um, I think I think uh, you know we've kind of been sort of circling around this aspect of this is a different movie. This is a different look for this movie, um, and it and I think that that's the best thing you can do. Um, with Pixar is invigorate them with new styles and Disney, right? And and bring new voices to direct these movies. Um, and, you know, to learn that Domi Shi is the second woman ever to direct a Pixar movie, I think the success of this movie, I, I personally think will show just how important it is to change stats like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's going to be really exciting to see, you know, mo- the different uh, voices they bring in in the future and the stories we get because of that. Um, she did an excellent job, Justin. You're absolutely right. It, it very well could be an autobiography. Um, I feel like I kind of know her a little bit yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. after watching the movie. Um, and she just she manages to give us a story that reaches anyone who's ever grown up. It's as simple as exactly. that, in my in my opinion. Um, I think you know the experiences of striving for your parents' approval. Uh, anyone who's ever had that mixed feeling of the excitement of growing up and doing things on your own while experiencing that fear that you're going to lose the connection to the people that raised you, I think it's it's, it's perfectly captured in this. Um, and I think to what you said as well, a parent, if you're a kid growing up, that, like my cousins right now, or if you're, you know, if you just remember what it's like to go through these life changes, everyone is going to come away with something different from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I, I even was able to, even though I do think it is, more directly pointed uh, in a, in a to a specific audience. I I was still even even though I don't feel like I am necessarily one of those people. I still found something to to take from this movie, um, and I can't stop thinking about it. It's yeah. uh, it Justin. It might be yeah. It might be of the more recent Pixar movies. I think it is also my favorite. I loved it. I'm giving Turning Red five out of five members of four town i'm talking robert jesse tay young aaron t and aaron z four town for life uh sorry my my inner abby just came out there um i can talk about this movie a lot more and maybe we might have to maybe we'll we'll look at doing like a spoiler cast once the movie's out or something but um listen everyone we got to get to our homework i just realized what time it is holy crap we've got homework due there's a huge test kevin did you study for it did you study for I the... never do. I never yeah, oh he never God. did. He, he never, never does. Did. He never does. And Justin, we got to work on a plan so we can go see Four Town next time they're in Toronto. Kevin, do you want to join us so, for that? Go see you the, the know townies? I'd be there. Oh, let's in, go. In all honesty, Backstreet Boys are coming this summer, and it's very tempting. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay, okay. I might show up in a Four Town shirt, but we'll see. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this review. And if you did, feel free to leave us five stars. Uh, and if you want to write into the show to tell us what you know you thought of Pixar's Turning Red once you've seen it, um, well, I'm going to do a cool boy band. I'm doing a boy band dance, and I'm tossing it over to Justin so he can let you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Smooth moves. Uh, you can reach <laughs> us you. at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. And of course, if email is too 2002 for you, then you can reach Ooh. out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at we are geekcentric. <laughs> Speaking of 2002, like if any I'm glad we don't have a video podcast cuz if anyone's ever seen the the Jedi kid 
on on YouTube. <laughs> that was basically the dance I was just doing, <laughs> shaking my body. Um, it was a little it was a little chunk from uh, from from Goonies as well. Um, <laughs> I'm chunky, I'm chunky cute, bro. I'm chunky cute. That's what I was just gonna say. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest movies and shows out now, including our spoiler-free review of Fresh uh, and our spoiler-filled review and discussion for Matt Reeves' Vengeance: The Batman. Uh, plus, check out our recent Pokemon Day recap, where I was joined by Canadian actor Monroe Chambers and Pokemon content creator Mr. Mitch George, where we broke down the latest announcements from the Pokemon Company, including the announcement of Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Kevin, are you going to get any new Pokemons? Uh, I might check this one out. I, I hear it combines everything I love from the older games with some of the new aesthetics and, and gameplay. So I think that's what that's what I'm waiting for to to get into this new era, this new generation of Pokemon games. Let's go. Let's go. I'll get a Fuecoco on the side. Uh, also, you can expect our <laughs> weekly news shows called uh, This Week in Geek every single Wednesday with our thoughts on the latest trailers and news from around the Geekosphere with our latest episode covering our thoughts on Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al uh, and our thoughts on some goats joining the MCU. Uh, oh, and in that episode, Kevin drops a huge announcement that I don't even think Justin and I were prepared for. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please I do. Was, I um, was prepared for. I don't know if you were. <laughs> I was not prepared. I was not prepared. And you won't be either if you haven't been keeping up with our content every single week. So go give those episodes a listen. Justin, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for this spoiler-free review. And as we say, love ya. Get home safe, guys. Peace. <laughs>